Murder Basements, Fake Dead Sisters, and the Adventures of J-Law and the Shoe. We're talking about House at the End of the Street, and it was horrifying. Welcome to So Horrified, the show where we talk about scary movies that are horrifying for all the wrong reasons. We're your hosts, Sadie. And Matt. And this week we're talking about House at the End of the Street. The end of the street, not the house. Just house at Just the end house, of the street. If you're looking for it. Yes. I don't know that it would matter if you typed it into Google. I think It'll you'll still find it up. either way, but yes. So first, let's start with something good. I watched the uh the parks and recreation special their yeah. little quarantine special that they did all on uh video call uh, it was very good i really liked it i was i missed the show a lot and it's great to have a little bit more of it so yeah it was, was cute it came back it was nice to see everybody a lot of shows are doing the like they'll do a table read of an old episode or something mm-hmm. like that live but i like that they actually put together something new yeah, well, and I feel like it lends itself to that because Leslie Nope would definitely be putting together <laughs> little phone a, call trees. And yeah, stuff. to check in with everybody and see how everyone is doing. Absolutely. So, well, I am a little behind the times because I know like everyone was talking about this weeks ago, but I finally watched the first season of that show. Oh my God, what is it called? The Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, right. That's what it's called. Yeah, right. On Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, and it was brilliant. It was so good. It was so well done. You know, Carrie Washington, I freaking love her anyway. She's an amazing yeah, actress. She, and Reese Witherspoon. No Reese Witherspoon has been dear to my heart since Legally Blonde. So Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> well, Legally Blonde was first. So, oh, you know. That's your, yes. That's, that's when I fell in love with her. Although I did really like Cruel Intentions as well, yeah. I will say. I don't know. It was it was so well go- well done. Brings out some excellent, you know, points about just society as a whole and the way we are. And plus, it's got you know Pacey from Dawson's Creek. So, <laughs> which means it has to be good, right? Exactly. Love him too. <laughs> Everybody um, loves him. Yes. All right, so are you going to introduce the movie for us? Give us a little synopsis. Yeah. So this week we watched uh, House at the End of the Street. A 2012 film with Jennifer Lawrence and Elizabeth Shue, uh, here to refer refer to as J Law and the Shoe. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. their, their <laughs> buddy cop name that I gave them. The description on Netflix says a neighborhood has gone to hell after a bloody family massacre, especially when the killer has never been found. Which is kind of vague. Dun, it's dun, basically dun. about Jennifer Lawrence and Elizabeth Shue, are a mother and daughter who move to a new house to kind of start their life together over. And somebody has been murdered at one of the houses at the end of the street. And the son still lives there and he's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's apt description, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it. So the first thing I'll say is that maybe I was looking at it incorrectly, but it did not look like the house that the house where the murders had happened was at the end of the street. It looked like it was behind them. Of like the whole street where it looked like it was in their backyard. It looked like their house was at the end of the street. Yeah. And the murder house 
was behind there. It's like through the woods. Yeah. 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 If you're going to name the whole movie that, I I don't know. Maybe it should have been important or at least shown. Right. Actually, at the end of the street. Right. Like like another house. Why did it matter that it was. Yeah. Like it was. It definitely didn't make it seem like, like it looked like it was on its own street, to be right. honest. It looked like it wasn't next to any other houses. It was just like, for some reason, on its own street, behind the street where all these other houses were. Yes. So, like, is the house at the end of the street supposed to be the house they moved into? Which yeah. doesn't seem like that would make sense, yeah, it's- because it's not about their house at yeah. all. <laughs> I guess, you know, that third house down on the right. When you make that <laughs> first left turn, right. less menacing of a title. Yeah, well, I don't know. The house behind our house. <laughs> <laughs> that creepy house through the trees. The house through the woods. Now, there you now go. Now we're getting into our alternate titles, <laughs> which come later. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here. So it starts with a cold open of a mother and father in their house, and their daughter is what appears to be sleepwalking or having some sort of sleepwalking episode. And the mother goes to like confront or, you know, comfort her or wake her up. And she gets her head bashed in with a hammer. And then the dad gets his head bashed in with a hammer. And then we kind of jump to where the main story takes place. Right. Um, and I don't remember if it says at the I'm trying to remember what the leap of time is. I feel like it's like four or five years. I think it was supposed to be four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't that huge of a a leap of time. And so the story is that, yeah, is that this girl, Carrie Ann, supposedly like she kills her parents when she's, I don't know, I think she's supposed to be like 12 or 13 or something. And her, she has a brother who was away at his aunt's house. And yeah, no one knows why she did it. And then they think that she just like went off to live in the woods and became just this feral beast living out in the the woods. The police believe that she died, but her body was never found anywhere. Right. Never recovered. So urban legends abound, you know, about it. And then once J-Law and the shoe move into their house. <laughs> Except the nickname. <laughs> that is what they will forever be doing um, in this. Once they um, move into their house, they find out that the brother who had been at the aunt's was now back living in the murder house. Yes. And they were told that the house was empty, which they portray as a big deal. Like, she gets really upset that somebody's actually living in the house when she was told that it was empty. And I don't I don't know why that matters at all. Yeah, I kept thinking it was going to come around to there being, like, more of a story about J-Law and the shoe. That it was going to be something like they were on the run from the dad. Or that, like, they were there to, like, you know pull a con on someone that like <laughs> that would have been great it felt like there was more going on there that yeah, would they come keep up alluding in the to story. this big backstory that they have together that doesn't really come into play other than right. that they have tension between each other right other than their mother, mother and, and daughter, teenage daughter right. is going to right just it's a mother and her teenage daughter i don't need the flashbacks of There's elizabeth shoe smoking crack to get i don't think the- they did that she wasn't the one that they flashback to smoking crack. That was the parents who got murdered. The flashbacks. Oh, were okay. a- I thought that was back to her no. days. I was not paying super close no, attention. No, that was that w- because I it was Carrie Ann and the brother were out in the backyard playing. That's when the whole accident happened that gotcha. he talks about with Carrie Ann. They were in the house smoking, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> 
Yeah, this, it's like that came out of right go, field. Wait, what? A lot. Yeah, it was bizarre. So I noticed early on that they made a real staunch effort to make Jennifer Lawrence the edgy, broken teenager that has all these like dark thoughts, and she's called the the murder victims Mr. and Mrs. Dead People, and right. about how many people got shot in their old neighborhood, and how you know it doesn't bother me, death doesn't bother me, and stuff. She's she's supposed to be very dark. And very complicated. Well, and she wears flannel and has dark eyeliner that goes all the right way around her eyes and has dark nail polish. And her dad was a That is how we know that she's an alt girl. (laughs) And so, um, quick aside, later in the movie, she (laughs) joins a little band Mm -hmm. and they play a little song. They do. And it is bad. <laughs> the song is straight up garbage, and I laughed very hard at it when it came on the first. I, time. I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember that much about it. I will say, like, I felt like that song, as well as so much of the movie, had such a '90s feel that I kept forgetting that it wasn't made in yeah, the '90s. Is, I mean, it's this was eight made years old or so 2013, now, yeah, it, or 2012, yeah, yeah, not 1997. Like it feels like it was made, right? And now, I how had old to is keep Jennifer Lawrence. She's been right? making movies for 20 years. I had to keep reminding myself that it wasn't that old because yeah. it it has a super old feel to it. Um, just like the the characters, the way they dress, even and yeah, it feels very much like something that Dimension Films would have put out in the nineties, like right? Scream and I know what you did last summer, and those kind of movies, right? Right. Except you know, Scream was really good. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i I have a note in here. Just I don't even know where I was in the movie when I wrote it, but. This movie drags a lot in the beginning. Nothing happens. And I feel like if you have anybody besides Jennifer Lawrence and Elizabeth Shue are like two really good or well-known people in this role, it's unwatchable for the first probably 40 minutes. Yeah. Like we said, there's so much of that backstory that we don't really, it doesn't come into play. And like, it kept my attention just because I was like, oh, this is probably going to come back around. So I need to pay attention to the things they're saying here. So then I was really upset when it didn't come back around because I was like, I did not need to pay attention to any yeah. of that. Well, <laughs> like, there, none know, of that was worth watching. The mom kind of shows up and saves the day at the end. But the entire reason that she was there is because she didn't trust her daughter and like check the phone and realize that she was routing the calls to her phone and everything. So her... her distrust of her daughter is what saved the day at the end of the day. I was like, that's not the message you want. (laughs) Spy on your kids, people. You might be saving them from a murderous boy. (laughs) Right. Or like be distrustful of the outsider boy that everyone's distrustful of. That's kind of not a great message either. The the only one who trusted this outsider boy was J-Law and that cop. And both of them were made to feel very sorry for it because yeah. he turns out to not be trustworthy. Yeah, and it's just definitely and she like damn near does. just because someone doesn't fit in or gets made fun of doesn't mean that they're evil. Let's and not I just push that narrative. I don't know a world where somebody who got their parents murdered doesn't get a little bit more sympathy because as far as anybody right. knows, he had nothing to do with it. I mean Spoiling, jumping to the end, he di- absolutely did. But right, he's the, the one who does it. The official story is that the sister did it, and he was he was away, away 
when it happens. So I don't get why everybody hates him so much. Well, and I'm wondering, okay, so like maybe that's more of the backstory we needed. Did everyone hate him and think he was weird and stuff because it was his parents because they seemed like very strange and out there and and, yeah, and like the whole town know that his parents were like crackheads that were living and in, in that this case very nice why didn't they rescue those children and yeah that was a very they nice do house to afford this house but still have like a healthy drug addiction i mean right. maybe they were like rock stars or whatever like i don't know parents, but like but- yeah it's like they spend so much time planting these seeds about why elizabeth shoe and j-law don't get along but they do not really explain that yeah. about his family no and i feel we needed more of that and I, I guess it's just at the end to make you kind of sympathetic and like well i guess they deserved it because they were terrible parents but <laughs> it i mean i still don't think they should have gotten their heads bashed in with a hammer maybe they probably should have gotten their kids taken away they definitely should have gotten the kids taken away but yeah because you know they show scenes later where they're like beating well the, so, like, flash forward to the end, it turns out Carrie Ann, the sister, died while the parents were doing drugs and the little, like, Ryan, the brother, was on the swing with the little girl and she, like, flew off the swing and hit her head and she died. So then the parents forced the brother yeah. to pretend to be Carrie Ann. Yeah. They were like, no, we liked Carrie Ann better. And this is we like don't like you. Twist number seven that they reveal right, right before they roll the end credits. Is, right. Oh, they were, he was Carrie Ann the whole time. And, and I'll say it was murders. one of the few twists I did not guess ahead of time. And I did not figure out ahead of uh-huh. time. I did. Well, <laughs> and so here's my thing. I... I wrote down at 12 minutes in when they were having their little brunch conversation about, about this kid without him present. I was like, oh, I think he's Carrie Ann because they never found the body. And he has this weird story about how he was away with the aunt at the time and yada, yada. And so I thought it was him. And then later when you see Carrie Ann, I was like, oh, I guess it wasn't him. And then later I was like, oh, I guess I was right. <laughs> it took me on a little mini roller coaster. I had figured out that he, like, I had guessed that he had killed them. Then I had guessed that he was keeping girls and pretending that they were Carrie, like telling himself they were Carrie Ann and like doing all this stuff. But I did not get in my head that they had forced him to become they, Carrie Ann. They pulled a sleepaway they, camp. That's exactly what I was about to say. They did a sleepaway <laughs> camp on him where they were like, obviously, one of our children was the favorite right. and it's going to be this little girl. And so they like, yeah, no. So his parents were trash. Like <laughs> Sidebar, if you haven't watched Sleepaway Camp. Pause this, oh, go watch that, and oh, come God. back, because it is wild. It, <laughs> it's, I, it's terrible for so all but the last probably just, five minutes, and then you the last five minutes, you just go, what? What? And <laughs> the picture, the imagery from the last five minutes will be burned, burned into, into, yes. I mean, I still can see it when I close my eyes. <laughs> Every time I close and my eyes. And it's just bizarre. And it's a strange movie. But getting back to this, that was also a strange twist. But yes, I don't know if they meant for it to be like sleepaway camp of like an, I don't know, an homage to them or something. I don't know why they would want that to be a thing. But um, <laughs> let's let's throw back to this movie that not many people have seen. <laughs> and the ones that have only remember one weird part of it. And only know it for being one of the worst movies. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, so I don't know why, but that's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that they did with that. So also early on in the movie, we meet 
uh, Tyler is the kid's name, the other neighbor boy that turned yeah, out to be the bully. In my notes, I put, who the hell is that D-bag? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I really thought that like more bad stuff was going to happen to him. Like He gets beat up yeah. a little bit, and then he just kind of I mean, he gets his arm like... Broken, broken pretty, pretty severely, grossly. Yeah, beat up a little bit might be might be underselling it. But right. He does. I thought he was going to get killed for sure, and he definitely does not. He just kind of right. goes away. Right. No, that's very true. Um, side note: just because I'm looking at my notes right now, they really zoom in on Ryan's keychain when they're in the car. He's got this keychain with this little eight ball yeah thing on it. Just so you know, a little bit of trivia ahead of Sadie's rabbit hole. I had that exact same keychain. Oh, the same one as the douchebag? What? Or no, as the no, murderer? No, as the murderer. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> much cooler. Much cooler. Obby. <laughs> like, definitely cooler. You don't still have it, though? Buried next to your latest victim? <laughs> you know what? I feel like it fell off at some point, but... If I did still have it, it would be with my old keys, like to my my first car that I got, like that I had got when I was fifteen and had until I was like twenty five. My first car, I loved that car. It would be with those keys that I saved somewhere, but I don't remember where I saved them. Mm. We'll find them in some box. Some <laughs> a good killer at some never point. leaves his favorite mementos behind. So or her. Well. I guess I'm not a good killer then. <laughs> I'm just I'm a really average to above average one. <laughs> And so the first, you know, half I would say of this movie is just her kind of falling in love with this boy because he's dark and broken and she's dark and broken and her mom setting up that she does not trust him and doesn't approve of the relationship. I feel like that probably could have been done in about 10 or 15 minutes. Right. And they took about 40 to get that out there. Yeah. But then stuff kind of starts happening when Carrie Ann, quote unquote, breaks out of the house and kind of is like dashing across the the yards between their houses to get to Jennifer Lawrence and he has to trap her. And so you it makes you think that Carrie Ann had survived the whatever happened to her after the mm-hmm. murder and has being kept alive in this basement by the kid. I, I can't remember his name now. Ryan. I think it's Ryan. Yeah. I think that's what I keep calling him. <laughs> he looks like a Ryan. So we're he going does. with it. Um, I think that's his name, but he, he runs through the woods and stops her from attacking Jennifer Lawrence and brings her back to the basement. And so they set up this where you think that he's protecting everybody from, carry in the right like he can't he can't turn her in or whatever because he loves yeah, her he doesn't he doesn't want her to go to jail or to an institution but he also doesn't want her to hurt right anybody. so he keeps so her he straps her down in the basement well and i'll and- tell you i the one thing i am glad is that it looked for a while like they were going into the like ooh scary she's got a mental illness disability kind of trope thing when they were like yeah, she had an accident. She so got hit her, on the head, and now she's a murderer. Right. She thinks she's, you know, always 12, never matured past that, and yeah, is like a murderer, I guess, is violent yeah. because of that. And it's just like, okay, that's just so tired and old. Let's stop just being like, yeah, they have a disability, so obviously they're the yeah. killer. Sometimes people are just murderers. <laughs> right. Like, well, and disabled people are a lot more often going to be killed by a murderer than be the murderer. Yeah. But yeah, like, we think that it's Carrie Ann, and then when he's trying to keep her quiet, 
he like apparently is like some kind of like Hulk man because it's like he accidentally he snaps her strong. neck. Yeah, he of mice and men's her. And yeah, like, he's like, be quiet, be quiet, and then just. And yeah, and doesn't realize dead. he's even and done. That it. was another moment where I was like, "Oh shit! Did our villain just die with forty-five minutes right. left in the movie?" Well, and that's when I was like, "Oh no, he definitely is the killer. He definitely has been capturing people and calling them Carrie Ann. He's definitely gonna when he like right after he goes and buries her. I wrote a note of like, um, he is he's gonna get Pie Girl." That's what I called her was Pie Girl, like because we he goes to that like pie place or the place oh, where the she like girl. offers the pie, yeah. yeah, and he does end up taking her. Yes, he does. And I was like, booyah! <laughs> Prediction was wrong. Well, I thought her little friend was going to get killed. The one that's kind of like I thought she was, <laughs> you know, our favorite what two celebrities, is right? This game. Her friend looked like a mix of Emma Stone and like a young Judy Greer to me. She wasn't a very prominent character, but when no, she came she on, wasn't. I was like, oh, that's who I think she is. <laughs> Sorry, the song was coming up, and I was going to see if you wanted to listen to it. Oh, um, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to take a listen to the song? We can. Here's a little listen to J-Law's rocking ballad that she does for the talent show. Wake up good looking and I stay that way. I break a couple hearts on every day behind the scenes i'm better than i am on stage pick a book you like and i'm your favorite page if you don't know you're gonna know that i'm that girl if you don't- she is that girl she's that girl <laughs> <laughs> Well, and see, <laughs> that's it's just it sucks. It's not great, but it also, I guess, it again, it fits in with that nine, like late nineties motif. I feel like it sounds oh, yeah. like so, and like so, it just didn't seem that out of place to me. But then when I keep thinking, no, that's twenty twelve. Like that's wrong. Yeah. Nobody makes those songs anymore, right? So yes, uh, Brian, yeah, after snapping who we thought was Carrie Ann's neck, he kidnaps this waitress that he, I guess, became infatuated with, and she becomes the new Carrie Ann that gets well, tor- like held I in the I don't know basement. that he even got infatuated with her. I feel like it's probably, like, maybe it was because she was kind of nurturing. Like, I feel like it was just something that tipped him off that clicked in his head because you even see it when he's looking at her and he starts kind of smiling like that it just clicked in his head and he's like okay she's my she's my Carrie Ann like I feel like he goes into this weird thing where he thinks that it's her or whatever and but I want to know who the first girl was he had because yeah, it obviously wasn't Carrie Ann and what number girl was she right. I mean, has he done this like 10 times or and is that was first? something I also was thinking they would eventually answer because yeah like he would have pictures of all these other girls or graves for them right or like how many has he done this to yeah. <laughs> how long did he, he have her it would have been great if when he snapped her neck he'd be like fuck not again right <laughs> like the fifth one this week it it I mean, because we know she wasn't Carrie Ann, 
And so at first, I thought that maybe he didn't kill his parents, that maybe it was one of the girls he had abducted who, like, was trying to escape and killed his parents. Maybe they were in on the abductions. Well, and I kept waiting for the cop cop character to say something of, like, you know, a lot of girls have been getting, have been going missing in this town or something like that. Right, to allude to that. But, like... He didn't seem to do, like, that, when you say he was infatuated with her, you would think that that means, like, he'd be stalking her and all this. He seemed to just see her and take her. Yeah. And so, it's like, it seems like there should have been more. Yeah, he kind of gave her, like, a slight smile and, like, flirted with her a little bit, I guess. And so, that makes me think that he's done this a lot and that he's good at it. Dr. Spencer Reed and the BAU would be all over this. From Criminal Minds. (laughs) From Criminal Minds. They would be. All over this. This does, I feel like, could have been cut down to about a 45-minute Criminal Minds episode. if this was a Criminal Minds episode, I would have loved it, and I bet it would have been one of my favorites because of the twists. Yeah. Like, you know. They could have lost basically the entire first half of the movie and just picked up at the second half and, like, hunted down this killer person. Right. If they had had the interesting characters of Criminal Minds with a couple of the characters from this, it would have been so much better. (laughs) The badass team of J-Law and the Shoe. Right, right. It would have been so much better. They would have ever done a Criminal Minds, but if they could have gotten them for it, it would have been all the better. Yeah, it would have made a good Criminal Minds episode. I'll say that. So they have this very awkward family dinner where they invite him over for dinner, and then Elizabeth Shoe is just like, I don't like you, and I don't trust you, and stay away from my daughter. And it was very, like, I... She even says it to him, like, why did you invite him over just to do that to him? But I had the same thought of, like, that's a really shitty thing to just, like, hey, come to our house and we'll be nice to you and then ambush him like that. It made me not like Elizabeth Shue, which not many movies have ever done. I don't know. I felt I felt for her because I feel like she's she's just this, like, I get her struggling sing- single mom. And she doesn't, like, you know, she's only got this one daughter who's new into this world of teenagers. And teenager-y. she turns out to be a thousand percent right to have right. not trusted him. But she was very mean about it to Jennifer Lawrence. Well, and, like, she even said to Jennifer Lawrence that she's got that history they allude to there is that she has a habit of finding these boys that are very just broken inside that she wants to rescue and fix. So I think just by the fact that Jennifer Lawrence is interested in him and she knows about his past and everything is like, no, you're you're broken in some way. She wants to fix you. That yeah. means that. And he's an adult. Her daughter is 15 or 16. I think she's supposed to be 17. But okay. Still, well, he's, yeah. I don't know how old that. he is, but he's not in high school. I know no, that. They make note of that, that he's in college and she's in high school. Right. Which like, yeah, if she's a senior and he's you know, a freshman or what, like, it's not that, but like, I also, yeah, I don't remember the ages, so. Yeah. It could easily be very weird. Yeah. So yeah, it was an uncomfortable dinner, but I also get, I also get where Elizabeth Shue was, like, I don't know, I just, maybe it's the way she played it or whatever. It just came off very much like she didn't plan on attacking him. She didn't plan on it ending up being that way, but she just kind of lost it of like a, okay, um, Obviously, this isn't working out the way I thought it was going to work out. So now I'm just going to tell you straight up, stay away from my daughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how we thought that. Uh, maybe and she thought. We learned that that did not work out. Right, exactly. All. No, not even in the slightest. Because, yeah, J-Law is just, she's like a dirty little sneaky liar about it. Like, she she gets it in her head that she likes this boy. And so, as soon as she's told not to be around him, all she does is be around well, him. Well, and I'll also say, 
that's most teenagers well, yes. that I that, that, <laughs> the moral of the story is that teenagers are terrible. No, not even teenagers necessarily, but most people. All if you're people, like, all if you're are like, terrible. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. But no, if you're like, I forbid you from seeing that person, then immediately it's like, okay, well, I'm definitely gonna see him now. Like, I didn't even like him that much, but now I'm gonna right, see him but, all the time. Yeah, now we're gonna be attached to the hip just because you said that. <laughs> like, it's just people are weird like that, and so. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work out for her to tell her not to go around her. But yeah, and she's so good at sneaking out and like yeah, doing well, all this stuff. Yeah, the mom works all these long shifts at the hospital and is never home. And so that gives her ample opportunity to sneak around and like do stuff with this boy that is secretly a murderer. Right, right. So parents out there, if your child is sneaking around, it's probably with a murderer. <laughs> Don't tell people that. You should be very That's afraid, awful. and you should start dating a cop. No! <laughs> well, it doesn't work out well for the cop. Hey, like, she survives, though. I'm giving the true. parents advice, not the cop. That's true. The, the but, cop knew the risk when he put on the badge. That's true. <laughs> and somehow let the kid get the drop on him, even though he realized before, like, he's calling her cell oh, phone. He hears it. He was a straight and he's up, like, like what? Uh, Barney, Barney Fife. Fife. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> High five on that one. <laughs> Yes, he was an absolute Barney. First of all, his flashlight apparently came from the, like, Hollywood convenient prop store of, like, sometimes working flashlights, because it would go in and out, and, like, at the end was kind of flashing on and off when it needed to. But then, at the end, when he's going to investigate, so the mom's officially worried, and she sends him to go check on Jennifer Lawrence, because she doesn't know where she is, and thinks that she's with this boy. And they have figured out that she's been forwarding the calls to the house phone, from the house phone to her cell phone. Mm-hmm. And he's standing outside the boy's house and calls the house phone, hears her cell phone ring inside, mm-hmm. looks at his phone, looks outside, looks over at their house, looks back inside, thinks about it for a second. It takes him 20 to 30 seconds to put together, oh, right. shit, she's inside. It's like way <laughs> too long. The worst cop I've ever seen. And it's like, you could tell he was already getting kind of suspicious even before he did that. And I'm like, why are you standing right there when you're calling? Why don't you go to your cop car and say, uh, you know, requesting backup, like something fishy's going on over here. I mean, maybe he had to find out that her phone was in there first or whatever. But I don't know. It was just, again, (laughs) I'm not a police officer, but I feel like I've watched enough procedurals to be like, at least be like, I feel there was more you could have done I and should have done. After he died and Jennifer Lawrence picked up his gun that it had fucking bullets in it because right. I have expected him to be like, oh, I left those on the fucking passenger seat. Right. It was very bizarre. All of them were kind of inept Dopey. at the end getting away from this guy. Like there's well, one part where Jennifer Lawrence is stuck somewhere and she smashes this window with a hammer to get out mm-hmm. and like slides through the window and then just leaves the hammer behind right. as she's trying to escape from well, a murder. Like her, take the weapon, man. Well, and her mom was like okay well i have two things to say so backing up even before that moment where before he like comes after her when he realizes that she's figured it out she's in the kitchen she finds like the wallet of the girl and she's standing there in the kitchen holding it for what seems like forever and i'm like honey you know he's right behind you (laughs) Put it down. Walk out. Yeah. And I was like, why do they always do that in horror movies where the person just stands there holding something? 
that if they get caught with yeah. will mean their death. Yeah. Like that they, they should not they will be caught absolutely with. know I'm onto their scheme if they see me holding this thing. Right. Like I if you hold want to, to act all casual, then just put it away, walk out the door, run off. But then when she breaks the the window with her with the hammer and is like smashing it around and she starts screaming for her mom. She starts scre- you know, she starts screaming, "Mom, help! Come here!" What I guess maybe it's just my mind, but I kept thinking, I'm like, why would you not scream, mom, look out, run, like, yeah. to He's let her know. You. Yeah, because like, mom, help, it could be like, I'm down here with a broken leg, I fell, and Ryan had to go to the store, or whatever, yeah. you know, saying, look out, Ryan's a murderer, Yeah, is a little more specific to where then your mom can run off and call. Yeah. For non-Barney cops. Something, yeah. To get Andy. (laughs) Mom help is just luring her into the house with her guard, like, kind of up. Exactly. Yeah, like, somewhat up, but not enough, and not certain that there's... Right, exactly. That's what I was thinking when I was watching that. I was like, why are you helping him lure your mother in here? Well, and, I mean, as much as you, you don't want Jennifer Lawrence to die, which is good and saying a lot, but she does make a lot of terrible decision like i don't understand the first time that she's at his house and when we still think that carrie ann is in the basement and carrie ann escapes and he just flips the fuck out and is like get out you gotta go now and she was just like okay i guess i'll go and then just loves him even more after that for wow like, uh, you should probably think he's kind of a psycho and not want to talk to him anymore i feel like if i was on a date with somebody and i just started screaming at them to get out of my house yeah. They probably wouldn't want anything to do with me anymore. I would like to think that even in my lowest times where I just was with very toxic and abusive people, that if it was that obvious, but I also understand J-Law's thing of being like, I did something really wrong. What did I do? Like, yeah. and then accepting the apology and and ever like I get that because I've been in shitty relationships like that. And I mean, not exactly this. Like, <laughs> you dated a murderer that killed fake <laughs> sisters in his basement. I did. Did I not tell you that? No, I, that would make a but, great episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so I understand that, like having you know, that low self-worth and self-esteem to where you think you must have done something wrong that upset him so much and that you fucked up and that you need to get them to apologize. I mean, you need to apologize to them, like, you know. Well, you have convinced me to give her a pass on that one. Okay. What she does not get a pass for is apparently never seeing a horror movie in her life because when she right. does get the opportunity at the end to shoot this guy, she does not make sure he's dead before no. she walks up and gets in his face. She doesn't do the double she tap. She her nose, like, right up to his nose, and she has no idea if he's... She hit him a couple times in the chest, which, congratulate, yeah, you did more than one shot, which is good, but... She she gets right up close to him, and of course, he's fucking not dead. Right, he's pretending so that she'll get up close to... Although, I can't remember what happens... Elizabeth Shue gets him. That's right. And on that vein, why did he... He stabbed her once in the belly and was like, well, she's dead. And like, leads her to the side. And nope, no, she isn't. And it was his undoing. For someone who's apparently been getting away with this for a very long time, he's very bad at it. His people get out of that basement like three or four times. Like, J-Law, the original Carrie... And and the second Carrie Ann right. all, get all out of that are able to get out of that. Yeah, and somehow never been caught. 
Right. Somehow he keeps getting away with it. He's just able to chase him down in the woods, I guess. And, I and guess so. Well, and he's got them. that, yeah, crazy arm strength where he can, like, snap that little kid's arm in two places, with I think no they said. Effort, like they were like superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I. I thought they were going to address that at some point, too. Of Like, how is he so strong? Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, no, they're all really bad at all of that. Yes. None of them deserve to live, and too many of them, I think, do. <laughs> I thought it would have had a little more weight if Elizabeth Shue had to sacrifice herself for J-Law. But I guess she's not old enough to live on her own yet, so they couldn't do that. Yeah. I guess they could have just made I her thought, 18. I thought they <laughs> were going to have it where the cop ended up being not all, not dead and he was going to sacrifice himself to yeah. like let them out. Because it's just there, yet again, like all these bad movies we're watching where they, they open up all these threads and then just leave them dangling and don't tie these things off. See, I thought Elizabeth Shue was going to die and then Jennifer Lawrence was going to have to live in that house and then she was going to become the neighborhood like pariah that everybody's like, oh, her fucking mom got murdered. <laughs> she must be crazy <laughs> and complete the cycle. And then if they get into the car with her, the first thing they'll say is, your mom, oh, got, your murdered. mom got murdered. Like Jennifer Lawrence just like your rock star spits dad out left you. the first time she meets this guy yes. of just, oh, your parents were murdered. That was the the most awkward like meat cute i've ever seen right it was not a very cute meet <laughs> it was cute. first like it was menacing and scary at first because he was like get in my car and she doesn't know him and then she gets in the car and then yeah the first thing she says your parents got killed yeah like it's Superb just, icebreaker jennifer just what are you doing yeah just these people who've never seen any scary movie ever even the fact that she got in, I get that it was pouring out rain, but then she gets in his car and just, it seems so casual. <laughs> She's not guarded. She doesn't have like keys any between her fingers. young women or any, really any age women listening, don't get into people's cars, even if it's raining. I don't think anyone anywhere. Like, <laughs> If you needed that advice, take it. If right. You, if it's if something you're you already alone, knew, then good for you. But yeah. If you're alone walking through the woods. Even if they're like, I saw you move into your house. Yeah, especially if they're like, I saw you move into your house. I'm sorry. That's a thousand times creepier. Come introduce yourself, you creepy son of a bitch. She had no proof that he was actually her neighbor other than him being like, I saw you moving in. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so maybe he's just a creepy guy who sits I in the just, woods and I watches people these move in. And try to find people to rob. Do you want to get in I my car? I mean, you know, just blah. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Blah. And now it's time for our segment, Best and Worst, where we dig through the internet and we find the best things that people had to say about this movie and the worst things that people had to say. This week, I get the pleasure slash pain of reading people that loved this movie. Our first one comes to us from Amazon, user Binky Chotohorhia, I guess. I probably am pronouncing that wrong, but their first name is Binky, which Good I Good old Binks. Binky C. They said... Be you woman or be you man like me. It's hard not to be jealous of Jennifer Lawrence. So perfectly beautiful, down to earth, pumping out top-notch performances at such a young age. And now she goes and proves she can be as good a screen queen as the rest of them in this surprisingly original chiller that saves its dagger twist ending for the very last shot. It opens with a double kill scene where two very parental adults 
get killed. <laughs> very parental. Very parental adults get killed by a little girl with a hammer and a lot of rage going on. It's four years later, and Alyssa Lawrence is moving with her mom into a beautiful house that goes cheap because next door is the one where the crazy little girl went on a spree. The official story is that the girl was Carrie Ann and she killed her parents. Her body was never found. Some say that she drowned out by the dam. Oh, and she survived by her brother, Ryan, hangdog Max Therio, who's living in the house right now, in all caps. And when the light goes on at 3 a.m., it makes a noise that only the audience and Elizabeth Shue can hear. Did I mention Elizabeth Shue is in this movie as <laughs> Alyssa's mom, Sarah? So cool. Anyway, Alyssa is one to really go for the underdog. And when she sees everybody, from local bully Tyler to Alyssa's own mom picking on him, beating on him, and making him feel like an outcast, daring Alyssa practically serves herself on a Brian to a plate. But he shoves her out of the house all of a sudden. Well, we know why. Because, see, Carrie Ann didn't drown. He's got her locked in his cellar. All this serves to make him even more sympathetic. We learn that he blames himself for the brain damage she received as a child when she fell from a swing set. And, see, that night, when Alyssa was all hot to trot, Carrie Ann had cunningly procured the key and escaped from her basement cell. And Carrie Ann's a dangerous murderer, right? Oh, you've only just begun to learn the sixth story. This is a great movie, folks. Enjoy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Binky. goodness. Pinky was into it. Serves her up on a hot platter or whatever it was he said. Uh, would you like to do the honors of the bad review? Always, always. All right. So for our bad review from Charles Webb at MTV.com. You can get a healthy argument started among film geeks about Psycho's denouement, that curious scene where a psychiatrist breaks down Norman's psychosis for the audience, and the mild-mannered hotel clerk slash serial killer stares into the camera. Some argue it argue it's a case of Hitchcock telling too much after showing so well in the nearly perfect thriller. Now extrapolate that to a feature film, a movie where every character is not only hypothesizing about the motives and feelings of a would-be killer, but the villain himself gives away the plot through tortured speeches and jittery speed-ramped flashbacks. That's House at the End of the Street in a nutshell. A thriller that believes its audience is as brainless as it is, shot with a mix of excessive style and poor revealing close-ups, with a central mystery whose tension is more or less undone within the first half hour, and worse, wasting Jennifer Lawrence and Elizabeth Shue in an embarrassing mess. Director Mark Tonderai, if that's how you say it, is in a hurry to get to the chase scenes and body count without bothering to actually establish its characters beyond rough, ugly sketches. And that's essentially what this movie is, ugly. Its characters are deeply unpleasant. How much more bickering can you stand between Shu and Lawrence? Its horror is of the grimy and gross, sweaty confinement variety. And even the way Tondurai's camera lurches, lunges, and tilts during the action make H-A-T-E hate the ultimate laborious eyesore. <laughs> I liked that he abbreviated house at the end of the street. Hate. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Clever. So before we move on to our ratings, um, I've got a, a slightly new segment to add to the lineup here. Um, one that I'm tentatively calling Think of the Children. Um, <laughs> where I went to the website. There's a, a website called Common Sense Media. That is for parents to like check out movies before they let their kids see them. And it gives you a very like detailed and kind of robotic breakdown of all of the bad language and, and things that are in the movie. And 
I thought they were kind of funny, so I wanted to share some of them. So, for House at the End of the Street, under language, it says, Language is a is fairly infrequent, but does include a few uses of words like shit, asshole, dick, bitch, damn, slut, and piss, as well as oh my god and Jesus Christ as an exclamation. Violence. Characters are shot and stabbed, and necks and legs are broken. Several teens gang up on one young man, punching and kicking. There's a scary prologue in which a young girl stabs her mother and father, no blood shown. Women are kidnapped and locked up. Drugs. In a flashback, a mother smokes what appears to be crack, using a lighter and tinfoil. One scene takes place at a teen party, and though drinking isn't shown, one girl is shown to be drunk, passed out on a bed, and then throwing up in a bathroom. The main character's mother drinks too much wine at dinner, resulting in awkwardness. Uh, under sex, the teen heroine kisses a college-age boy, and they move to a more comfortable location, presumably to take things a step further. They kiss some more, but are interrupted before anything else happens. The heroine and her mother also wear tight white tank tops in many scenes. At a party, a teen boy tries to seduce a teen girl, saying he's horny. So, <laughs> beware. Tight beware. white tank tops. Alright, so, now we will uh, venture to give this movie a rating. Uh, we rate our movies. We on the s- have Sadie's rabbit hole first, don't oh we? Oh my god, we do. <laughs> I almost forgot about the rabbit hole. Let, let's dive into it. Do we have a theme song for Sadie's rabbit hole? <laughs> sure. Sadie's rabbit hole. It just feels awkward now because you forgot it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let's try that just, again. No, I'm just going to go into it now. <laughs> So, the director, Mark Tondurai, he started off as a DJ. Um, I don't have that much interesting stuff for you, so okay. I guess it's easy that it's forgettable. That's but, I'm sorry, but, I forgot. Um, I was excited about the new segment and forgot about all the ones that we normally do. Uh-huh. So, Jennifer Lawrence is not singing in the movie. She lip syncs. Sarah Rain, session musician, is the singing voice. Okay. Um, J-Law was, the movie was actually nominated for a couple of different awards, but the one that stuck out to me was J-Law, who was nominated for Best Scared as Shit oh, MTV Movie Award. Second one that's been nominated yeah, for Yeah, we've seen that before. And I'm wondering if maybe this will add adds to some of the feel of it being kind of a 90s thing, that the movie was originally announced in 2003. So I'm wondering if wow. it was like written and some of the music or something was picked out <laughs> in the late 90s. It's been sitting on a shelf since 98. It was, and yeah. then in 2012, it actually came out. And it was supposed to come out the same month as Hunger Games, but they ended up moving it back a few months so that Hunger Games could come out all on its own. Yeah. And probably because they were hoping, oh, this will Jennifer Lawrence is about to get yeah. really big. Yeah. So we need her to be in this. We need that to come out first. I think this movie made a decent amount of money, but not enough to get her back. Or I don't know. Get another one made. A short little thing, Gil Bellows, who plays the cop, is a fellow alumni of mine. Oh, yeah? Um, he went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, Uh-oh. just like me. Elizabeth Shue is actually like a super cool chick. And she fought to be the first girl in New Jersey to play boys soccer in the 1970s. And in 2007, her and her brother, because apparently like her brothers, they were um, like her dad was really big into soccer. Her brothers were really big into soccer. So she just always played soccer. And so then she wanted to play on a team to play soccer. And they were like, no, girls aren't allowed to play. And so she ended up fighting to get to be the first girl to play on a boys soccer team. 
they and make a movie about that. They did. Oh. And that's what I was getting to. In 2007, um, her and her brother made a movie, Gracie, that's based on the story of her life. That's awesome. And especially that part. And now, very interesting part, but kind of kind of feel bad calling it interesting. It's a sad interesting. So what was also covered in the movie Gracie is that Elizabeth Shue's older brother, William, died at the age of 26 in 1988 while on family vacation. He was trying to get onto an old, like an old rope to swing. You know how people will swing from a rope into the into water? The or something. Yeah. yeah. So he was trying to do that, but um, the rope was too old and it snapped oh when he was God. on it. He fell down and fell on a broken tree limb, which impaled him. Oh, my God. And killed him. Yeah. It's which insane. It's oh, man. awful and horrifying. And I feel really bad for her, but it's the I don't know, an interesting tie in the fact that the little girl in House at the End of the Street died on a swinging accident. Yeah. I mean, I get that that was like a swing swing and not, yes, but you know, not quite like not the same. But yeah, so. Well, that's um, that's a bummer, but. Right. Right. So that's all I've got for you today on our almost forgotten Sadie's rabbit hole. (laughs) And just so y'all know, I will bring this up. Every week now, from now on. (laughs) I will never let this down. So get used to it. Mm, I'll just give you a really fast Sadie's rabbit hole. Ah, thank you. Well, it wasn't for you. It was for the listeners. (laughs) Well, I got it all the same. So thank you. All right. What rating did you give this movie? I I think I have to say like a, a two. Okay. I feel like it was very close to being an actual decent movie. If they had just, it dragged and it was kind of boring and there were loose ends that they needed to tie up and some stuff that didn't quite make sense that they should have fixed. Yes. But they weren't that as big of a leap from being a great movie as like Death House was, <laughs> you know? That, that one had a lot more work to be put into Exactly. It. Like this one could have with much less work become like actually been a pretty decent movie. Yeah. I also gave it a two. (laughs) Oh, we didn't decide on what we were using to rate it with though. Oh no, we didn't. Carrie Ann's. Uh, yeah, fake Since sisters. Since he kept kidnapping Carrie yes. Ann's. I, I like that. Carrie, do you want to do Carrie Ann's or fake sisters? I want to do Carrie Ann's. Carrie Ann's. All right, so I'll give it to Carrie Ann's. Okay, um, and copycat. I, again, we do not <laughs> talk about our ratings beforehand. We're just, you know... In sync, like Justin Timberlake and somebody else from that band. <laughs> I can't remember anyone else. Was Nick else's Carter name. in that one? I don't think so. But okay, I don't know. Nick Lachey. What was he in? Jessica Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she counted. We're bad children of the nineties. Yeah, apparently. And also, we should probably explain our rating system for anybody if it's your first time listening. No, if it's their first time listening, forget you. <laughs> go, go back, back and, and listen you. to the others. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love you. We <laughs> we rate them kind of negative one to negative five, where a one is something that's almost still decent. Five is so bad that you have to tell all your friends about it. Yeah, um, that like everyone has to see it because it's that bad. Yeah. Um, I also gave it a two, though. Um, It kept me guessing, I guess. Like, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that I didn't see happening, and it wasn't predictable, which is always good. Jennifer Lawrence and Elizabeth Shue are both good actresses, so they kind of 
make the best out of bad material. The first 40 minutes can be cut, though. Like, it, it, this movie could right. have been a lot shorter and a lot better. But yeah. Do you have so, an alternate title? I do. What is it? Mine was, uh, We Need to Talk About Carrie Ann. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> was that yours? All right. All right. All right. <laughs> no. I get older and Carrie Ann stays the same age. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> she's always 12 in her mind is what he said. But, and then yeah, tying it into all right, all right, all right. Kidnapping people that were. Oh, yeah, but I was starting to go into the song. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, no, you know. I was doing McConaughey. <laughs> well, I noticed that now. <laughs> well, I kind of like the ones that I threw out earlier better than anything else I could think of. I wasn't thinking of anything <laughs> else good. I forgot the ones that we did earlier. But it was now. like. The house behind my house. <laughs> <laughs> the house that's somewhat obscured by the trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The house on the other side of the drive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have nothing more to say about House at the End of the Street. Neither do I. All right. <laughs> well, next week, uh, join us as we will discuss the classic 1998 film, Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder. Uh, it stars Michael Rooker, uh, who you may know from Walking Dead and Guardians of the Galaxy. The movie is about a demon that is summoned to take the soul of a young boy who has the potential to become a saint. By doing this, he will open a doorway to hell and destroy the world. I didn't realize it was by Bram Stoker, like yeah. Dracula. Yes. Like, that's really cool, though. I mean, I know it's probably not going to be good. one of his better known stories, but yes. Right, so it's probably not as good. But, like, it at least means it has the potential... To have a decent storyline. Yeah, we'll see what they do. All right, here's a clip from Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder. Oh, Father Vassy. Come to find out just how few hours your little clique of blood-drinking bread-eaters has left, Father. Ow. That doesn't hurt as much as it used to. Tell me, Jacob, in conquering man's light, does that mean I'm conquering man? You don't exist. You can't exist. Why not? By existing, I confirm all you believe in, don't I, Father? No! That stings. I'm getting stronger. <laughs> A couple more souls say yours. I'll be ready for the boy. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder is available on Amazon Prime, so go check it out. It is fucking wild, and we will talk about it next week. Until that time, um, go search us out on social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter. We're at So Horrified. Uh, leave us reviews and ratings on all of your platforms that you use to listen to us, Spotify or iTunes. You can it also leave helpful. us reviews and ratings on Facebook. Yeah. Or you just say hey. Try to find our phone numbers and What's call up? us and tell us how you think. Don't we're try doing. to find our phone numbers. 
we're millennials. We do not answer the phone. Yeah, that is true. You can text us though. <laughs> Maybe we'll send that. Up I one might of those answer text line things that you can get from fans. All dozen fans that we yeah. Have. I was like fans makes us sound all fancy. <laughs> Dress for the job you want to have, not the job you have. <laughs> Being optimistic. Have a good week, both of you. <laughs> Bye, Pop Pop. We'll see you next time.